Hey, everybody, it's Ben, and we are going to get started with another episode of The Lanyard here in one minute. On the show today, we're going to talk to Josh Hofer and Andrea Bear. We're going to talk to them about Chislik and about living in a small town. This is going to be a fun one. I did want to take a quick moment to talk about the studio that I'm recording in. I have been recording in the copper room for almost all of my episodes. It's the speakeasy above my bar, Ben's Brewing Company. This is probably going to be the last podcast recorded here. Probably. We're going to be moving across the street. The bar is going to stay where it's at, but the podcast and the videos and all the other creative projects that I've been working on, we are going to have our own dedicated space to create more content. That's why I want to thank you for using Patreon to support what we're doing. By kicking a couple bucks a month to the show, it helps us do more. So that means better equipment, better spaces, and then hopefully more content and more creativity. So I want to give a shout out to, again, those people who have supported us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash the lanyard. People like Sheila Woodward, Tony Mybaum, Mason Schramm, Baron Yexley, The White Wall Sessions, a new one, Mike Villanueva. You guys are inspiring. You make me want to create more content, and I just appreciate your support. So look forward to our new recording space, 213 West 3rd Street in Yankton, South Dakota. I'm going to start moving all my equipment over here tomorrow. But let's get to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode of The Lanyard. Each week, I like to talk to somebody creating a cool company or a cool community. Today, again, I think we're hitting both check marks. We're going to be joined by Andrea Bear, Josh Hofer, and that episode starts right now. Hey, guys, thanks for coming down from Freeman. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, thank you. Welcome to the bar at uh, noon. We appreciate it. And I wanted to talk right off the bat. You guys just finished a very busy weekend. What was that? Yeah, so we had the South Dakota Chislik Festival uh, in Freeman, so the second annual. So Chislik, for those of you, for those out there who might not know, what is Chislik? Chislik is... It's a dish that the Germans, a people called the Germans from Russia, encountered as they immigrated from Germany to the uh, area of the of the Crimea, which is where they ended up. As they passed through that uh, passed through that area, they passed through the Caucasus Mountains and the region like present day Turkey, if you think of that. And basically, they came across this sticked dish. Um, and a lot of what I describe here is anecdotal or based on the you know journey of peoples. So we don't have like an historian that said the Germans from Russia met, but this is this. So this is a piece together. This would be. Um, we can tell from the travels of the people, right? They came across this shashlik, which you can tell sounds a lot like chislik. 
they brought it to the Crimea. Then from the Crimea, eventually Catherine the Great was the ruler in Russia at the time. And basically, they, when the Germans from Russia originally came, they had had promises of religious freedom and not having to serve in the military was one thing, and they could live communally was all three kind of things. And basically, the Russian government said, no, you need to become more Russian. I'm not sure if it was conscription, or, but those were the kind of things that they were very sensitive about. Russians changed their policies, and those people uh, emigrated to the United States. And they came to this area in South Dakota, which is the Chislik Circle, which is roughly more a Chislik Oval, stretching in the areas of Turner and Hutchinson County, basically two, two and a half counties. Um, and brought, yeah, and that's how Chislik came to be in the United States. So I asked, what was Chislik? And I got that. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love Sorry. It. Sorry. That, that was probably more than you. You're a natural on a podcast. Yeah. You can tell a story. <laughs> Sometimes people just give uh, yes or no answers. Uh, this, that yeah. was wonderful. More specifically, it is like cubed meat yeah. from sheep. Right. Yes. Or simply, lamb. Simply sp- What's the difference? Lamb Chislik would be a younger animal. It is known to be a little more tender when you eat it. Higher price. Yes, and a little bit higher priced. Mutton um, is known to be a little more flavorful. That comes from an older animal, but it is a little bit tougher. Like a white meat, dark meat kind of situation where some people have their preference and that dark meat might not be desirable by somebody. Some would say it has more flavor. Exactly. So same with mutton. So you guys decided with some others that you were going to throw a giant festival celebrating Chislik. Who came up with this idea? And maybe the follow-up to that right away would be, in your wildest dreams, how many people did you think were going to come in year one? Well, um, last year I found out that there was a group of people in Freeman who, other than I think maybe one of them, I did not know at all. Um, but they were talking about— It's a small about, town. You should it, know everyone. It is a small town. <laughs> um, but so they were talking about having this Chislik fe- Festival— to celebrate that Chislik had just become our state nosh and as a way for just our community to come together and have a great time. So the one other person that was involved with this spoke to me and said, you really got to go talk to Josh. He's the founder of the festival. Um, And I did, and I instantly became involved, uh, very excited about the entire thing and the response from not only our state, but kind of nationwide, has been overwhelming. State nosh. So we have state birds. We have state animals. State nosh. Yeah. <laughs> it took some creative uh, politicking there to get recognized by the state of South Dakota. Yeah. What is a nosh? Yeah, it's 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 a snack. The it, it's most. Uh, the, the the way I know it is from the Jewish community that would use the word nosh a lot. Mm-hmm. The origins of the word, uh, I would have had to do a little research before coming on, but I know the Jewish community in the Northeast was, was where you'd hear nosh used a lot. Um, you know, I talked to Senator Stace Nelson was one of the judges at our Chislik Festival, and he was one, and I was telling him, you know, without the state nosh, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have happened in 2018 for sure and and basically i say that because you know i had the idea in fall of 17 and it was when i was the development director for the city of freeman i looked around and said wow this chislick story is amazing and nobody really does anything with it and i was like was there some kind of event here 
And I talked to a couple people in town and basically kind of kicked it around. And we thought, yeah, yeah, we, we, might, we might have a concept here. We could get 500 people, 1,000 people on Main Street. And I had a friend lined up, Luke Rensing from Take 16 Brewing over in Laverne, Iowa, or Laverne, Minnesota. Now. Drink some of his coffee, too, forward yeah. coffee. Yeah, yeah so, I had, so I had him lined up, and we we're going to serve Chislik and craft beer on Main Street. And... You know, we I, I say I credit it to the Nosh. I, I give Senator, Senator Nelson credit because we probably would not have. We talked about it, but it was kind of a stirring, simmering idea. And we were about like halfway through the spring and we didn't have anything lined up. And then I started hearing about this Nosh talk and I was like, and I started paying attention, obviously, because I had this festival idea in my head, but it wasn't something I had been kind of spurred to do. Yeah. And... The Nosh thing was serious and controversial too. I mean that that bill <laughs> that bill barely made it out was opposed by the governor. Like he openly spoke against it. Area legislators spoke out against it, even from around here. I mean, like this was like Why? controversial because so, there were competing Noshes. Yeah, yeah. So so the the trick is Chislik is so regional and that's cool. But it's so regional that South Dakota. Oh, it's not state. Yeah. yeah so like, a... you get to the west side of the state, and they try and sell Chislik at, at Sturgis, and it hasn't gone well uh, oh, really? a couple different times. Like that. Yeah. And so and you get to the northwest, and so it's so regional, and we have a big state. So the senators were all clashing over what to do, <laughs> and then there's the it's whole. Good they keep keep busy. Yeah. So we basically so the Nash story came out. And then we said, and I we looked around and we're like, it, it went through. And I I said I wasn't directly involved with the legislation, but I submitted a store a statement basically, and I said, look, this could be big for economic development. This is this is this has potential. I I think it could be something for the region, and and I encourage you to vote to to approve it. And and it so the long story short, the Nosh went through, and. We were freaked out. I was freaked out because I said, "Oh, like if I don't do it right now, somebody in Sioux Falls is going to start it, or Yankton, or Mitchell is going to do it, and I'm never going to have control of this again. I, it'll be out of my hands." So this is probably February of 2018. This goes through, and right. you quickly decide, "Oh, hey, I can throw an event together. It's just right. going to be 500 people." Right. Yep. Yeah. So March, April, we're meeting in Syria. March, March, April, we're seriously meeting. And then somewhere May, June-ish. We figure it was about 45 days from the, yes, we're going to yeah. do this, to the actual festival. Yeah. <laughs> so, And then that span, like Andrea says, I met Andrea and things started to really churn. Yeah, and I remember getting notice as a brewery that, hey, they're looking for some South Dakota craft beer. And I was like, well, we, this is the first we heard of this. Like, we have an event planned that day already. Woodgrain has their patio party. We can't come. When did they come up with this? And it, like you said, <laughs> about a month ago. really fast. <laughs> yeah. What went well year one and what didn't go well? Well, just from a starting standpoint, I would say that the press, the, the marketing push and attention and the the viralness of the concept went really well uh yeah and i wonder why that is i mean is it because it's so niche in the sense that like there are a million rib fests around the country but there's not a chislic fest you know what i mean is it is it because it's so unique i think a lot of it had to do with that legislation just passing yeah and people curious what is chislic because like we said 
you don't have to go too far away from that Chislik circle and people will look at you like you've grown two heads when you suggest that you eat Chislik. <laughs> well, and it's also like really an approachable nosh, so to speak, right? Because how much would a how much does a stick of it cost? One stick. I mean, a couple bucks? Uh one stick. You can get a dozen sticks for ten to yeah. fourteen dollars. And if it's lamb, fourteen to eighteen. So it's so cheap. Under you know? a buck. That's cool. Yeah, we're talking about a stick kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um Yeah, so Essentially, what happened was I put out a press release uh, and said it was our big launch press release, and this was before anyone knew how serious. I mean, we were all thinking five hundred to a thousand or something to do for a small town, and KSFY picked it up, and I feel like it was six thousand shares in twenty four hours. <laughs> was the uh, and that's the news story. So Facebook, uh, and I tried to get that verified afterwards, and. And they 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 could loosely verify, but I I that was what I had written down was six thousand shares in twenty four hours, and after that, we got some big corporate sponsors. We got big corporate sponsors. We had all the energy, and we were off to the races. <laughs> and it was a crazy forty five days ahead. Fast forward to end of July twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. You hold an event, and where is it held, and how many people are you at that point thinking are going to show up? When we kind of got the feel that this was growing faster than we anticipated, we decided to move from Main Street to the city park and ball fields, thinking that that would give us ample room. And we were still expecting maybe 2,500 people. On the day of the festival, we figure we fed about 8,000 people and more like 10,000 showed up, with some of them just seeing the crowd and turning and driving away, going (laughs) to other towns in the Chislik Circle. I heard so many stories that day, people who waited on the highway to turn left for we heard that there was a four mile wait on the highway to get into town (laughs) and so some of those people just obviously didn't even try to come some made that left turn and they these are the people from yankton of course some of them made that left turn and then they were waiting in line again and they're just thinking there's no way there's going to be food when we actually get there so they left and then they had the crazy idea like well let's just go have Chislik at one of the neighboring restaurants. Mm -hmm. What happened at those neighboring restaurants? Well, we heard that restaurants for miles and miles around also ran out of Chislik that day. At the festival, we did have Chislik right down to the very bitter end, but it was the very last of the Chislik at the end. Um, But I've talked to restaurants as far away from tea, or as tea, that were struggling to keep enough Chislik going. Well, and I have been involved in helping on big events. You know, we did the Rib Fest here in town. And I think uh, one of our years, we had something like 15,000 people. And, you know, we had years and years to plan for that. And we had thought about everything that could go right or could go wrong. And you guys didn't have that experience. But some of the things that we had to deal with back then were, you know, major porta potty issues, having enough ice, having enough volunteers, security, parking, Did you guys experience some of that too? (laughs) So we didn't experience enough of that in year one, obviously, to be prepared. I mean, it was like, you know, we we had a party for, we knew, I I, I always say, I I think 1,500 to 2,000 was the number we gave the public. Three, four, 5,000, we would have been okay. It would have been overwhelming at 
eight, nine, ten thousand, we were toast. Yes. <laughs> and so like I had a people's choice. We had a people's choice contest running with tickets and like it was a fiat it was totally So broken. like you had to count the tickets? <laughs> yeah. And and we had people sitting sitting in line so like they had the ticket to get a ticket to the vendors took tickets, but they also sold their dozens, which meant that if you had ten thousand people could be sitting in line and they'd bring a ticket up to you and say, I want to redeem this. And you'd hand them a stick instead of a dozen, oh, like just a stick. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, we had people mad. I mean, like, sure. admittedly, like, like I you mean, just to, to wait in line that long that, to get one for one stick, which is like, what, four cubes of meat? <laughs> yeah, four cubes <laughs> of meat. So like, and I don't blame them. I'd be mad, too. So they probably in that situation then bought a dozen. But still, I mean, they had these tickets. So all in short, uh, in all in all, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a good, you know, it was it was a wild, wild day for that town. Well, and like everything, you know, in, in the bar business, when we have crazy nights and we're like, oh, my gosh, I wish we had a replay how to do that. People always say, well, it's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. Right. It's a good problem. And that's true. But it still feels like a problem right. when you're in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you have any nightmares before or after? During? Uh, yes. <laughs> no, it was with so many people around. I guess I'm a mom by nature. So instantly I was like, what do we do if there's an emergency? How sure. do I get an ambulance through here? Where are my children? Because yeah. they were all helping with different events that day. To me, that was probably the most overwhelming. How do we control this crowd? Was there ever talk about like, we have to shut it down? This is enough. We can't let more people in because they're not going to have a good experience. They can't move. Or was there no way to really stop them? I don't think we had time to even have that thought. <laughs> um, the event started at 4, and by, what, 4.10, 4.15, we had surpassed our 2,000-person <laughs> plan. Yes. Um, and they just kept coming. So you, we just kept pushing forward and just make it through. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Um, I don't think any I've ever told Andrea or any on the board this, but my dad came up to me at like four thirty, five o'clock, like beat red and like super like a- like anxious and he's like, You've gotta tell people to stop coming. You've gotta tell people to stop coming. <laughs> How do I do highways. that, Dad? And I was yeah. like, Yeah, Dad, but like I don't like this is this is put into motion. Like I we we didn't have like the second year we had an app and we had text. I mean we we had the whole system. We had thousands on Facebook. Like at that point we were a company with under a thousand probably Facebook followers. I mean <laughs> like I mean we couldn't even put out a Facebook notice like go home. This is going to well, be yeah. nuts. I mean so it's yeah yeah we just so we plowed on. That day ends at what time? What time does the event end to the public? 10. 10 o'clock. Yeah. And what time do you get out of there? Uh, it was probably 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning by the time all was said and done. Yeah. And that was a throw our hands up in the air and we'll come back tomorrow and finish this yes. situation. Yeah. And so the next day and then the days that follow, everybody says, what? Well, we got something here. Let's let's you're right. let's get it better. That was the overall sentiment. You know, I don't think we ever had really a moment with this board, with our group. And and mind you, I want to add, we didn't even have a board technically until after the festival. So like even the idea of the organization, it was really, I mean, properly, we should call it a planning group. I mean, we had the group, the core, we have what, five or five or six for sure of us. And then that formalized, but then I formed the nonprofit organization and got all the trademarks and everything, the, the weeks following the festival. 
Well, so that's year one. Year two just happened. It was uh, July 27th. And how did that go? I think this year went extremely well. We had several town hall meetings after last year's event, asking our community and our city what we can do to make it better. Um, We had questions out there on Facebook along those lines. And we really took to heart all of that information and started planning very meticulously every aspect that we could for this year with plans A, B, C. And then when the rain came this spring and the flooding happened, I think we were down to like plan W on what we were going to do. Um, But we were blessed with the opportunity to use the Freeman Prairie Arboretum this year um, instead of the ball fields. And so that was, is it 40 acres, Josh? Yeah. 40 acres um, where we could spread out, make room, have more vendors and it was just the perfect situation for the festival. A lot of inbound requests, people saying, "Hey, I want to come make some money and sell some That's sell right. some Chislick, right?" Yeah, it was. Yeah, that 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 call to move, you know, the the call to move from even from Main Street to the Ball Diamond was controversial because we were moving it off the Main Street. Yes, to, we just needed more space, yeah. so that was a hot topic, and to move it to the Arboretum was another hot topic, and. You know, we had discussions with the board. We knew, see, the barrier there was they have an alcohol policy on its on the grounds of Freeman Academy, which is the private school in Freeman, and they had an alcohol policy, and so we essentially had to have an exception to the policy. And it was a tough, you know, we, we said the, the Prairie Arboretum, you really have to see it to believe it for a small, for a town that size. It is really a gorgeous 40 acres of landscaped um, ponds and sculptures and dedicated landscaping that's upkept by volunteer groups. I mean, I, I haven't seen a, the like of it in a small, in a town that small. So we were truly, I mean, we knew when they let us that, that we had an amazing advantage built in. I mean, that was just a huge, huge decision. And you had a little bit of rain, I imagine, on Saturday. Well, it was this last Saturday because I had my daughter's four-year-old birthday party and we had a big, big thunder boom during that. Did weather affect you at all? It actually skirted just to the south of us. Oh, good for you. So, um, yeah, during the day it did not affect us. There was a little bit of panic trying to get vendors out knowing more storms were rolling in Uh through the evening. But everybody, community members, um, our our team with our Chislick Festival volunteers and staff members all jumped on board and we got everybody loaded out and everything went well. One more thing on this topic. Where does this event go from here? What does year three look like? What does year 10 look like? Yeah, you know, honestly, we're taking a deep breath. I think as a planning group, it has been a really, really intense year for all of us. Um, and so uh, we will take a deep breath as a group and kind of look at what our options are. I think there are things that worked really well this year. Um, our The reception of the Arboreum from the public, uh, from the attending public, was fantastic. Yes. Um, the, the idea of going a full day, um, any less would not work. You know, past that, we're going to have to, because of some of the, you know, you know, when you ask for an exception to and a rule for a facility and things like that, we're going to have to go back to those constituency groups and say, you know, what worked, what didn't, what what's allowed and what not. So, as far as next year, we will, we're, we're you know, we're, we're we're entering into a planning process and we'll, 
Yeah, and we'll have to determine things as we, in the coming weeks and months. Safe to say the event goes on? Yes. yes. 100% yes. That be, That's awesome. I will be guaranteed. I think uh, you, you hit onto a niche, and it makes me wonder, too, if there are other merchandise options that come from it. But that's probably what we want to talk about after the break. I'd like to talk about the the new restaurant, the Chislick House. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Andrea and Josh about Chislick in Freeman, South Dakota. The presenting sponsor of The Landard is Ben's Brewing Company. We are a brewery, taproom, and speakeasy located in Yankton, South Dakota. Our beers are on tap in several South Dakota cities. Visit us online at bensbrewing.com. Good people drink Ben's beer. Hey, Lanyard listeners, it's Brennan and Mandy from Boston Shoes to Boots. Do me a favor and think of something you will not buy generic. For instance, I will not buy generic toilet paper. First of all, ouch. Second of all, they don't tear at the seams. Brennan, what's your example? I will not buy generic mac and cheese. It's not as creamy. They say it is the same, but it's not. Same goes for shoes. Now, we all know how easy it is to buy shoes or boots from big box stores, big online sellers, or a boutique. But are you really getting the quality and customer service that your feet deserve? A proper fit and quality made shoe can go for miles for your feet and your overall health. Wearing shoes too small or large can have long-term consequences. And those shoes that are cute but make your feet hurt all night? Not worth it especially when you're covering up the blisters the next day. Our staff at Boston Shoes to Boots is trained to measure your foot length, arch, and width. Do yourself a favor and invest in your feet by getting properly fitted into a quality pair of shoes. We don't carry cheap because we care. That's right. Quality only hurts once. And trust me, we've seen plenty of scary toes that have been crammed in bad footwear for too long. Many times the effects are not reversible. So invest in your feet, take care of yourself, and go on your next adventure with a great pair of shoes from Boston Shoes to Boots, your footwear experts since 1915. Stop by and see us in the Meridian District in downtown Yankton or see us online at bostonshoestoboots.com. All right, we are back with Andrea and Josh. We were just talking about Chislick. The state nosh of South Dakota. We talked about the big success of the South Dakota Chislick Festival, and I suggested, well, maybe there's something more beyond just a festival. Well, you know that, and so you started a restaurant. So tell us about that, Andrea. Well, we did not actually start the restaurant. There was a group of investors um, that had this idea for Prairie to Plate, which is exactly what it sounds like, getting local produce uh, local meat to the plates in the local area. And so there's lots of parts to that story, but as the story goes, they acquired the property that was the restaurant. And I I guess I think maybe Josh actually referred them to me and I was offered the position of manager there at the restaurant. Um, and so that's how I come into play. It is called the Chislick House. Of course, our focus is on Chislick, but we have several other really great items on our menu, um, like the traditional beer racks, uh, homemade flatbread, and homemade ice cream. The prairie to plate concept then maybe goes beyond just a Chislick house. Does that mean that that's going to be more than one restaurant or more than one 
Place or what's tell me about that? Yeah, so Prairie to Plate is a meats company headquartered in Freeman, South Dakota, that focuses on uh, sustainable production and humane uh, harvesting practice for animals. In the long term, in the long run, it will be several different brands within the Prairie to Plate company that will have various levels of of sustainability uh, based on what you'd prefer. So we're talking like grass-fed, organic, um, humane slaughter kind of practices. In the short term, the Chislick House is the vanguard company. It's the front company that it's the public facing comp face of the Prairie to Plate organization. So um, as the company develops and is realized, more subsidiary companies out of Prairie to Plate will emerge. And there is... Well, there's a lot of different ways I could talk about prairie to plate, but uh, in summation, that's the that's the general gist. Chiswick House is the vanguard company, the first step. Yeah. So when when we talk about the company, mm-hmm. are you both are either of you owners in the company? Are you both managers? How does it work? Yeah. So. Andrea manages the Chislick House properly. My title is director of marketing. They brought me on in a marketing position. I'm kind of all hats with the organization. So I'm helping also on the regulation side and with some of the meat production and logistics. But no, neither of us uh, have ownership. So do they own their own livestock or are they sourcing it? They do own some of their own livestock, and eventually, as the company, I mean, the trick is, Chislick House is what three weeks old at yes, this at the three time weeks of this, old right now. and Prairie to Plate is all of months old. Yes. So as this all becomes realized, Prairie to Plate will be be all like Andrea mentioned the source sourcing animals locally so they'll be buying animals or having people um, contract with them to be raising the animals and then capturing all the value points in that chain from prairie to plate so some aspects of that are yet to be realized and will develop over the coming months but that is the goal and some of these some of those pieces are being realized today you know we just had some of the lamb, I know some of the lamb that we dealt with last week is lamb from a guy six miles north of Freeman. I mean, so pieces of that are coming into play. And over the next couple weeks, months, years, more and more of it will be realized. So what would I expect as a customer to be at the Chislick House? What are the hours? What kind of dishes are available? Okay, currently, our hours are Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evenings from 4 to 11 p.m., but that is another thing that is going to be evolving here very yeah. soon. So um, watch our Facebook for more information on that. Um, and, of course, the thing that we want you to try is all the different types of chislic that we have. Yeah, so, like, what would be different kinds, different flavors, seasonings? Right, right now we are focusing on some really great marinades, and we have a whole lot of ideas that we're working on developing yet, so stay tuned for those. And then there's probably some debate about not only if it's lamb or mutton, but, you know, some people would think that Chislick is more like a steak tip, and that's not your policy, right? <laughs> that, that's correct. A steak Sirloin. tip is a steak tip. Yeah. And in the, in the Chislick circle, so to speak, Chislick is lamb. It's lamb, and then how do you serve it to a customer to be at best? Is it like garlic salt and saltine crackers? Traditionally, yes, served on, on a stick, of course, with garlic salt, some people like crackers. We actually serve it with homemade flatbread that also has the German-Russian heritage with it. The flatbread, 
thing is actually pretty cool. They did so that in the Caucasus Mountains they had these they had bread because as you know it's pretty early primitive or you know a food type, and they had they take this flat bread and they would they'd have these huge skewers because Chislik now has evolved to a what six half inch. inch yeah half foot six inch stick. These skewers would be like you have to think like a couple maybe a f- two three feet. These big long skewers, metal skewers, and they would have take the flatbread and they would sandwich the flatbread around the meat and vegetables or whatever they'd skewer on there, and they'd pull it off, and then the flavor from the meat would be on that bread, yes, and that would essentially be your like homemade seasoning for the bread, so it was absorbed into the bread. And we actually had so we have a shashlik, a guy. There's a shashlik expert in Omaha, Bellevue in Nebraska. He's from Bellevue, Nebraska, named Ian Tuttle. And he came up and did some presentations at the um, South Dakota Chislik Festival. Uh, a couple weeks prior, he came up and did the whole true shashlik experience with the skewers and pulling off the meat and everything. And it was pretty awesome. And then actually at the festival, Ian did actually had samples there and did presentations at the museum. So it's pretty sweet. It was pretty exciting to get connect with Ian, with Ian. I mean, the crazy thing about shashlik or chislik really is they're having this same kind of phenomenon party over in the Caucasus Mountains in the Ukraine right now. So, like, and it's cool because Marnette Hofer, who's the director of the museum, she got on, uh, she got invited to a podcast called Caucus Talk, which is two Americans that live in the Ukraine, and they invited her on to talk about Shashlik, and they're like, we love this stuff. You're having it in Southeast South Dakota right now. And she's like, yeah, it just looks a big thing. And so like both sides, Ukraine and the Ukraine, and then this small town in Southeast South Dakota in the Chislik circle, both have these like hot, like hot zones of like energy and uh, interest around this food. One's called Shashlik, one's called Chislik. We should be like sister communities or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and then you have in the restaurant too, you've made some emphasis on craft beer, local craft beer. What's that about? We do. Everything that we serve in the restaurant is sourced locally, um, like Josh talked about earlier. So animals are grown locally, the eggs, the milk that is in the ice cream, the ice cream itself is made locally, the produce is all sourced locally. And so we decided it only fit to continue on with local beers. And so I started doing some research. And although I couldn't find any quite so close to Freeman as the rest of our products, I have found several great ones that we've put on tap. And actually, the Ben's Brewery has yeah. been one of our West top Side sellers. Park, right? Yes. Yeah, thanks for thanks for putting it on tap. And I know you've had some out of the Sioux Falls area too. So that's, that's great. Appreciate that mission. But when people come in, are they asking for burgers and other things that you don't do? They they have been. I kind of giggle and tell them that you don't normally go to Subway and order a pizza. So at the Chislik House, you're you're probably not going to get a steak. It's a pretty right good away. idea what what your specialty is from the sign. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> However, we've learned that the beer ox are also incredibly popular, as well as our sh- shish kebabs. Yeah, can you explain what beer ox is to me? A beer ox is another traditional German food. It is kind of like an oversized dinner roll that is stuffed with the traditional has seasoned beef, cabbage, and onion inside of the dinner roll. And then we also have one that has mild chipotle chicken with spinach and cheese. 
That sounds pretty great. And so one of the things with Chislik too is that if you do get these huge influxes of crowds, one thing that you can do is fry it and therefore get it out really quickly, right? I mean, I think I read something you can get like a dozen sticks in like 15 seconds if you're frying it. It's Yeah, it's about, about 30 seconds per dozen. But yeah, it move, we can move it pretty stinking quickly. But is, is there a debate about whether grilled or fried is better? Actually, just in this room here, Josh really prefers grilled. I really prefer it fried. And what we're learning at the restaurant is that it truly is about 50-50 how yeah. people like it. And see, and I would think it's all about the garlic salt that's on there. It's like, <laughs> as long as you got that loaded up, it's going to taste wonderful. So the neighboring restaurants then, for instance, Meridian Corner and some of these places that are somewhat known for Chislik, are they worried about a Chislik-only place coming in? It was noted recently that there was a bit of a shortage of restaurants in the area. Yeah. And so I don't think that that poses a threat to anybody. And yeah. we'd much rather work together and have great events together and whatnot. Get more tourists to come through. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Come come on out and stop at every Chislik place and let us know who you prefer. So in the craft brewery world, we have these passports and these punch cards where, you know, you go and, and try different craft breweries in the region and, and you get your passport filled. Maybe you could create something for the Chislik that, places. That is a thought that we have had something that we've been tossing around. One of the things about operating in Freeman, I don't know that everybody knows that Freeman is, is fair to say, a pretty religious town, Mennonite town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a large portion of the community that settled near that area was Mennonite. We're not far from lots of different groups, and but the Germans from Russia people would be of... Yeah, correlated. We always heard this story that the guys on the railroad screwed up the town sign and that Freeman was supposed to be Menno and Menno was supposed to be Freeman. Is that yeah. true? I think there's two there's two stories like that, and that is one of the popular ones. I'm not sure my like I said, my mom Marnette's the director of the museum. I'm not I don't know if I can't remember if she contested that one, but that is one of the stories that they just mixed up the signs and we're supposed to be Menno. Yeah. Does make a lot of. I mean, so the only reason I asked if if the town was more religious is is does that have some impact on how you do business in a town that might be considered more religious than say like my town of Yankton? You know, here we're this bar's open 365 days a year. It's open till 2 a.m. Obviously, we promote alcohol. Is does a religious community have some questions if that's good? I business practice. I think yeah. no matter where you are, it's really important to know your audience. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I would say that it has had some bearing on it, but not a huge force as to what we're doing. So one interesting thing on that topic, I because I started, I did it, I was a couple of years, I was director of development and marketing for the town. And so I've reflected on this often. And it's uh, one of the weird quirks is that it tends to be inward facing as a community. And it's because I, I always attribute it to the degree that we had brothers and sisters and cousins in the Hutterite families. And so part of our heritage is people living either closely with or actually in communes mm -hmm. or communally. And so my reflection on Freeman has always been that it is more inward. It, it, it excels in inward facing dynamics rather than outward facing, which can trans. I mean, that, that can be good and bad, right? That can turn into clicky slash not opening to outsiders. It can also mean caring and 
more taking care of their people. You know, like, so there's dynamics there on both on the negative and positive. But I've always kind of viewed the communal aspect as um, it's one of the side features of Freeman. And it's one of the things that I we've struggled against here because we're trying to be so outward focused. I mean, to sure. Chislick Festival, that's it's totally counter. I mean, like, we want every, I mean, if we have 25 states, we're going to brag about it. I mean, like, that's yeah. just what you, like, that's just good public relations. So it's so it's been an interesting dynamic. What is it about Freeman specifically that means it's home for you? Why do you continue to live there, Andrea? Well, actually, I, I live in a huge city down the road called Turkey Ridge. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's 13 of us there. And the joke growing up was that I was on the wrong side of the highway to be a part of Freeman. But I have never really felt that way. When we were young kids, we would go to the swimming pool in Freeman. We made great friends in Freeman. I, I agree with some of the statements that Josh made, but I really don't I don't think it affects how the general population should feel about Freeman. I've always, since, since we uh, moved back there with our kids, we've always felt very, very welcomed, welcome to be involved and, and very valued there. What does... Freeman look like as a town in the next 10 years? Are there young people continuing to stay? Are there people starting businesses or is it getting older? It has been one of the more resilient towns in the region. We're right on Highway 81, so that's been a good factor in their favor. You know, honestly, in my book, it's something to be determined. You know, like in some respects, when a group comes together in in such a short amount of time. I mean, this is this story is a year old only. Um, and if the town, like if folks embrace some of the story and some of this Chislick fervor that's gone on, it could be big things. There, There's another direction. I mean, the, the opposite direction can be true and there's forces at play. So I, I think, you know, just demographically and regionally, Freeman's in a, a good place to thrive. The story will be written by those who either want to get on the train or jump in front of it. I have noticed, um, especially since my kids are now older in school there in Freeman, there is a lot of people coming back to the Freeman area who are our age and younger, which I think just means great promising things for the city. In the last 12 months that I've been really involved with the community of Freeman, I've seen probably four, five businesses open, most of them either people that have always been in Freeman or have come back to the area. To me, I, I think that good things, great things are going to come to the community. Well, and there's there's another big event in that town too, right? Schmeckfest. Yes. Uh, that is the type of thing. I've been there, I think, once or twice. It's kind of hard to get a ticket unless you uh, plan ahead, so it's not a last-minute thing. But tell us what Schmeckfest is. Yeah, it's Festival of Tasting is what it's called, literally Schmeck, Schmeck, and then Fest. And it takes place every spring, March, April, right on the turn usually, March to April, late March, early April, depending on how the year falls. And the major features of that, they have exhibitions and the museum is open, but the major features are a German-Russian meal. So it's like a full scope noodles versed all the all the good stuff that you Filling. want pluma mousse and <laughs> yeah pluma mousse and fruit pockets and like the whole the whole nine yards and then so a cool heritage meal and then the other big big item is the musical so they and that is community think of it as like it's it's regional it it is community theater but it's also on a regional scale so i directed it a couple of years ago and i had my leads were from around the region i had a sioux falls and a mitchell and 
uh, leads. So the um, yeah, so the musical and the meal are the big big stories there. They and that that's a pretty big event for the town. They draw five six thousand. You're great advocates for the place you live and and for making that place on the map more interesting. So what else? What what do we see coming down the pipe? Any new projects for you guys, or is it just uh, taking a minute to? Grab your breath. I think right now we all need a minute to grab our <laughs> breath after uh, opening a restaurant and having the Chislick Festival in the same week. Our grand opening was during the Chislick Festival. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna take a take a little break, sit back, see what works, what we need to work on, and grow from there. Yeah, I think you know one of the nice thing, one of the things I've reflected on is the impact that you can have in a rural environment is very unique. And it's different. It's a different dynamic than the urban where you have more human resources or people around you to draw energy from. We started something with a lot of urban energy and a lot of people from the urban areas. And I don't know, it's very interesting. Like Andrea says, I am looking forward to taking a deep breath and getting back to a semi-normal life. Yes. Uh, this has been a, a, a crazy process. But there's always things on the horizon. You know, people always say that there's, you know, one of the things you hear a lot in these rural towns, and I think everyone says this, you're always envious of the bigger city. You're always envious of the next bigger city because you're like, there's not enough to do. Yes. And then you get to Minneapolis and you're like, there's not enough to do. I need to live in New York City. And then New York City, you're bo- like, I, there's just no, you're always kind of envious of the next step up. I don't get bored. I don't. Probably Andrea would not be a person who gets bored either. Yeah, I mean, it's, she's in Turkey yeah. Ridge. She's like, oh, look at all this stuff going on at Freeman. <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, I don't know. It, there's a lot. There's a lot to do if you can find ways to where you want to make a difference. I suppose. By the way, do cars go too fast through Turkey Ridge? That's a loaded question. Yes, all the time. <laughs> but there is no road through Turkey Ridge right now. Oh, there's not the highway construction. Oh, so. shoot. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's one of those shortcuts to Sioux Falls when people, I think, want to ratchet up the speed. Probably not where you want them to be. It's been a lot of fun hearing the story about Chislick at the Chislick Festival and also at the new Chislick House. And maybe we could talk about a few websites and places where people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. You can find information about um, the restaurant at thechislickhouse.com. And there's also prairietoplate.com. So keep watching that as we continue to grow um, there will be lots of great information, restaurant specials, and how to get involved with the Prairie to Plate movement. And then on the Chislick Festival side, our website is sdchislickfestival.com, and we will have more content up, whatever it looks like in 2020, as we get closer to 2020, and you'll find information on 2019 there. We also have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on the Chislick Festival side, so check us out there, Chislick Fest SD on Twitter. I'm, I'm forgetting the Instagram handle right now. It might be the same thing, and then you'll find us on Facebook. And then we also do have Facebook on the Chislick House side. So make sure you can like us and see what we're doing with Chislick. It's been a lot of fun and I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. Thanks for coming to Yankton, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for so much. Us. And make sure and share out this episode with anybody who loves Chislick. We'll be back next week with somebody else creating a cool company or a cool community. Thanks for listening to The Lanyard. Lanyard.